You're listening to an all-new Chasing the Word on Compassion Radio. Good morning, honey. It's time for Compassion Radio's Chasing the Word. It is Monday. I hope we can start off the week right with the scripture we have for today. Yeah, it's always good to start your week off on the right foot. Psalm 19, the first part, talked about the works that God does. We'll wrap up next week with a sum up and the last little thoughts that are spilling out of David's brain as he worships God and realizes the dangers ahead of him. He's had a great moment with God, but he's going to go out there to face the temptations of the real world. But we'll deal with that on our next program today. It is about the Word, and a couple of translations you read from actually had this section, I'm going to call it... God's story in the Scripture. God's story. The thought that came to my mind was the Word, because it's really talking about the Word alive, the person, the part of the Trinity that is the Word. When we meet with and we have an encounter with God the way David did, it's part of the process of opening our eyes to mm-hmm. what the world is really like, being able to see God's hand in all of the things that surround us. So I think this psalm is a great example. It shows us the mighty works of God. It gives a little bit of his story and how flawless God is, the things that he does in our lives. Then it prepares us to go out and walk in the world. So David's walking us through all the different stages of worship. And worship, again, being how we come before God to do the things that benefit us, that build us up, but that make God first in our hearts. Because God knows he's first. He's the one that made it all. We don't need to remind him of how great he is for his sake. But he also says he takes pleasure in the worship and praises of his people. Mm -hmm. So for some reason, us being willing to come before him and worship him delights him. Sometimes when we say things out loud and we think we're reminding God of his promises or the things that are in scripture, it's really a good way for us to hear our own voice say these things out loud. And kind of like confession, when we finally get the words out, it's like suddenly real Mm -hmm. or someone else can hear it and acknowledge it. Like a true mirror, God hears the words we say to him in his presence. If we're going to lie to him in his presence, it becomes pretty obvious pretty quick that we're lying to ourselves and to him. If we're telling the truth, it becomes, I think, far more real for us that we've actually said it to God directly. Mm-hmm. And he nods his head and says, yes, that's right. I am that kind of God. And we get the confirmation of the best witness there is to yeah. the words we say. If there be any more encouragement to us than knowing that what we said before God in his presence is acknowledged by him mm-hmm. and that he agrees with this. And that his spirit literally bears witness with our spirit about the truth. That's a good point. Well, if you don't mind, honey, why don't you read those next verses? We're starting at verse 7 of Psalm 19. I'll be reading from the Amplified text for this week. The law of the Lord is flawless, restoring and refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are reliable and trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, reminded, and instructed. In keeping them there is great reward." And the way that translation ends up, it reminds us what kind of benefit we get from acknowledging that these things are true. Because God exists, because his word is real and is given to us, we benefit. Mm -hmm. Even if we don't acknowledge him, the world's a better place. In fact, the world exists because 
that word is true. We have road signs that we follow, that we take heed of. Mm-hmm. You know, there are warning signs. There are flashing lights. There are red, yellow, green lights all over when we traffic and we're driving. There are warning signs that our doctors tell us about, things mm-hmm. to watch for in our own health. So it makes a lot of sense to me that God uses his word in our life to warn us of things that are ahead to inform us of what is coming up may not be specific things that are happening. And we can't say, oh, on this date, this thing will happen. But it reminds us to look at the signs outside of us, look at the way the world is going or the things that are happening in the world. Take that as evidence that God is telling us, is warning us what's coming. Well, the metaphor you're using about a path or a road or a highway is a good one. Mm -hmm. It's it's applied in many different parts of scripture. And I think about the other signs that pop up from time to time that give you a unexpected warning or alert, Mm -hmm. a silver alert for somebody who's missing from a community. Watch out for this car. And they describe it in the license plate and the person that's driving that car or a child that's been abducted or is missing. Those kind of things are not about just the road conditions or about the speed limit, but about things that we need your help in paying attention to the world around you. You could be a hero in this if you just help us find this person or solve this mystery. Mm -hmm. I also think about the word itself not just being a signpost for the road we must travel. Mm -hmm. But when Jesus says, I am the way, the path, the truth, and the life, when he's saying that, it's like saying the road itself is talking to us. We're traveling that road that is him. He's the foundation, and the road has contours to it. It's built a certain way. So as we travel, if we pay attention to the road and know the road conditions, we'll be far safer than just looking at a sign from time to time and ignoring what we're doing and where we're going. That kind of word for me is not just about reading the signage, but it's remembering that the road itself is literally communicating to me in my car through the tires and through the steering wheel. When I hit the brake pedal, how does my car react to the road I'm traveling on? Let that metaphor talk back to you about how you're traveling through life. Mm -hmm. The things you're doing, are they hitting rough pavement? Is the pavement telling you something about the way you're traveling? Mm -hmm. When it says the word is correct, is dependable, is perfect, is radiant, is clean, is pure, everything that we touch and feel in this universe still rests on the word. David's getting to the heart of that too. He knows that Underneath everything, inside everything, around everything, it's him. Yeah, I like how David talks about the different attributes of God. Mm. He says, this is what God looks like, or this is what his story is. His law, his precepts, his power, all of these things that David is describing. His law is perfect or flawless. There's nothing about it that is out of line. It's perfectly lined up to what our lives need to get us through things. Mm -hmm. You know, it it restores and refreshes us. We don't normally think of laws as restoring and refreshing us. We think of them as prohibiting us a lot of times. Mm -hmm. But that's not how God's law works. And his statutes are reliable and trustworthy, and they make us wise. I mean, all of these things that David is describing about God's story, about who God is, these are not just outside of God. These are God. Like you were saying about Jesus being the way, he is the path, he is the road. God is all of these things Mm -hmm. encompassing. And we don't just pick and choose what suits us. This is a whole package. And David is describing that to us in 7 through 11. And no matter how far down you dig, you're going to find a new layer of God. Isn't that great, though? Yeah. In English, the word precept is also used in Mm -hmm. describing some of these things. And the English definition of precept is a command or principle intended especially as a general rule of action. 
of value, a way of doing something that is just right. Once you put it into practice and practice it for a number of days, weeks, years, it becomes a rule of life because it's just a habit. The second definition of precept in English is an order issued by a legally constituted authority to a subordinate official. It's the word coming from the high word to those who are the word to the people, saying, this is my word to all of them through you. The perception, the sept, that center syllable, has to do with understanding. So the precepts are the understanding that comes before. The perception is me experiencing that truth where I am. So those words, I think, work together. Do we perceive that God's precepts mean something and will continue to mean something? And if I follow them and live like that, that the world will benefit. Well, verse 8 says that those precepts will bring joy to our heart. And maybe not even to the hearts of the people that are practicing it, those who benefit from those who practice. Mm -hmm. Good parenting. You know, what happens to the kids in a solid home? If you will live a life that is solid and is secure and your children are not afraid constantly of disaster, if you will live that way, they have a much, much better chance of starting off life with the right kind of perceptions of self and perceptions of those around them, and ability to step out of the world wisely and safely. Mm-hmm. We just know that is common sense. Yeah. But it's not so common anymore that that kind of sense works its way into families. We have a challenge ahead of us, even in our generation, or maybe especially in our generation, to take the precepts of God and let them become what we perceive of God. And therefore, what we would like to preconceive of ourselves and start living like so that our kids can perceive those things are true in us and in God, too. That's a tall order. Yeah, but it's not something that has to happen all at once, right? We enter into it where we are. Learn the precepts of God when we're young. When we grow old, it's going to be a whole lot easier to live by them because it's our life habit. This passage reminds me of the goodness of God. So often we think about his judgments being fierce and mm. you know righteous anger We think of it that way for some reason. Judgments of God against you. Yeah. I mean, it's just like he's angry at me and he's Mm. going to make this judgment about me. But that's not what Mm. David is saying here. He's saying these are true and righteous and good. And this is the way God sees us. And he makes a judgment about us Mm -hmm. that we are his child. His judgment is, I love you. Maybe we mess up. Maybe we make mistakes. There's sin in our life. But God says, I love you. Compassion Radio will continue to keep bringing you encouragement from the Word, inspiring stories from the front lines of faith, and awesome opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom around the world. But we need your help right now to continue doing just that. Please take a moment today to consider how you might help us to accomplish our unique media ministry and mission. Remember, friends, Compassion Radio is always a coalition of the willing. Are you willing to help get out God's good news stories of the kingdom really living the gospel in the 21st century? Oh, I hope so. Thank you, friends, for standing with Compassion Radio during these times of great change to our normal life. Of course, there's nothing normal about our situation, but there's also nothing normal about the kind of faith and power we find in Jesus. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, one 800 868 and note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. 
reach out to us whatever way works for you. And now, back to our discussion. This is the way God sees us, and He makes a judgment about us Mm -hmm. that we are His child. His judgment is, I love you. Maybe we mess up. Maybe we make mistakes. There's sin in our life. But God says, I love you. Mm -hmm. And you can follow these precepts. You can look at these judgments as reminders of how distant you might be from God or how close you might be to God. So I think that we need to turn that kind of thinking on its head. Yeah, no doubt. And realize that God's judgments are holy and for us. Yes. They're not against us. If we keep reading, we see that these judgments and these precepts are more desirable than gold, than mm. pure gold, sweeter than honey from the drippings of the honeycomb. That's that's a very vivid picture that we get. First of all, when we see the word judgment, we want to go to the negative place. But David is saying, no, these are good things. These are like fine gold. We want these. We desire them. And by these things... We're warned. We're illuminated. Our minds are opened up to things that we didn't expect or to things that were hidden. And we're instructed. We're instructed in the ways of life, in the ways of God, in the ways of following the way, the truth, and the life. There's great reward in that. Even in itself, there's reward. It is intrinsically valuable. Now we're floating back and forth across the line between our idea of judgments the things that are passed down that judge an evil and then commit the law to some kind of justice as a result of that versus judgment being the thing that we understand, the sum of our discernment, experience, wisdom, and knowledge. Right. Now, this judgment he's talking about is primarily that kind of judgment, mm-hmm. the heart and mind of God. Yeah. That is to be desired. Not that God would judge everything but that God is good judgment. And that judgment, the sum of all the other things that make up good judgment, are the things that God offers to us. The heart of God, David is saying, God wants to give to us. He wants it to reside deeply within our hearts and us to experience it like he experiences it. Because if we do, we'll know how wonderful it is and how right it is. We've all been in a place where our judgment has been impaired where we've been exhausted, we've done too much, we've neglected other things, and our judgment just isn't what it needs to be. Something has happened in our life. We've been through a difficult situation or a trauma or an accident, anything. So we look at that and say, well, that wasn't evil or wrong. My judgment was just impaired. And getting back to a place of solid judgment is going to be essential to make good decisions, to make wise decisions. So I think that's what we're talking about here. The kind of judgment that gets us on the path of making wise decisions, illuminating our minds, and benefiting those around us as well. Yeah, admitting that God is right. Mm -hmm. If we talk about impaired judgment as being not just a bad excuse before the law, but also punishable, because if you have shown poor judgment, if you have personally chosen to go a way that goes against the precepts, that undergird the law, then the law would say, you've doubled down on wrongdoing here. You knew that there was a right way. You didn't pursue it. You chose to do otherwise, and now others are hurt. Well, that's consequence for your actions. Yeah. The kind of judgment that David is now talking about is the kind that before we even get to a point where we say, oops, accident, when it wasn't really an accident, it gets us on the right thought patterns before we would be tempted to just chuck it. Mm and go away that's going to be counterproductive to our own peace and safety and to the safety of others. 
It is something that literally will spill over into things that we would see in everyday life. Those kind of things would be temptations all along the way to get by easily. God is calling us to a way that is not easy all the time, but it is right and it is satisfying. It does not mean, too, that everything that God calls us to do is going to be a pain, you know? And that's one thing about good judgment that we have to remind ourselves that that can be instantaneously rewarding, (laughs) you know? We did the right thing at the right time, and man, it paid off. That happens a lot, and we forget how joyful it can be. Just to know that you did the right thing, your conscience is clear, that it took care of the problem, and there's no more problem now because you were forthright in the way you behaved because of the precepts that God put into your heart and life have led you to do the right thing at exactly the right time. Do we trust God to build that into our hearts? That's the thing I wonder looking forward. Can we trust him to actually show us not just the way, but show us the way to the right payoff and understand what the benefits really are and thank him for those payoffs? That because his good judgment is now in us, that we benefit and he's worthy of being magnified and glorified for it. He's worthy of being worshiped because he gave us himself. Yeah, well, it sure enlightens you to live life that way. Yeah. If you haven't been able to do that or if you haven't done that for a big chunk of your life, it is a tough turnaround. You're used to that other way of life. Mm. You're used to that protection that you've built because of those false ideas that you've put forth. Yeah. But when you begin to live into the precepts of God and into his truth and his judgments, it is a peaceful way to live. Mm-hmm. I mean, getting through the muck and the mire is rough, yeah. but getting to a place of a solid ground and a foundation that you don't have to worry about, hmm, what was I talking about? What did I say over there? How does this relate to that other thing? You know, when you can just live your life in such a way that it's vulnerable and humble and out there, truthfully, um, it is a place of peace for you. I think both Mark Twain and Will Rogers had kind of harped on this idea. Lying is a lot of hard work. It is hard work. (laughs) There's so much to remember. Better just to tell the truth. Right. (laughs) I want to remember the things that are worth remembering. And as I get older in life, you know, who knows what's going to happen to our memory in our later (laughs) years. That's a real fear for a lot of people. What happens if I start falling apart? What happens if my body and my mind start degrading over time? And I've seen a number of times in people that I've known that have either suffered dementia or some other decline that all that's really in there starts coming out without the breaks. Mm -hmm. In a lot of ways, it's kind of sad to watch somebody's anger emerge late in life that was suppressed all the time. And I do believe that the judgment of God is not just about keeping us from doing the wrong thing, Mm. like holding back our horses that really, really, really want to bolt out the gate at any given moment. But it is a transformational thing. If we really start thinking the way God thinks, we start acting the way God acts, we start becoming like God is. Mm. That's what the Bible says is true. And so we are therefore transformed by the renewing of our minds. I would think that even in the latest years of our lives, even if we've lost most other things, that there probably is going to be a bit of a residual of the kindness and goodness of God there that can emerge as well as anything else might, even if we don't have control of ourselves much anymore or our thoughts. Mm -hmm. That's my hope, that in those years, that even if I lose most of my senses, that there will be a drop of the goodness of God there Mm -hmm. so that I can appreciate the goodness of God shown to me and I can be kind to those around me. So, honey, what are your closing thoughts on this chunk of Psalm 19? If this is really about the Word, we've said many times on this program, and great theologians have reiterated this point for generations, the Word is not a what, it is a who. Mm -hmm. And we know because of the revelation of the New Testament that the who is Jesus, and that in the person of Jesus resided this eternal Word. 
He is both the vessel of the true Word of God, but He is also the living Word of God. Hmm. Living like we do, in the sense that we understand living, became something that the Word itself was and is. I want to read the Word as if it's Him talking to me, because me as a human being wants to hear God as God really is, and thank God He decided to be really like me so I could get it better. And I do believe that's why we read the Bible with authority, not because it's just a bunch of great thoughts or great signposts, but because we feel the texture of a living being here, one that is thinking these thoughts for me and not against me. Mm -hmm. And David is trusting in that person too. He has many different ways of embodying it in his poetry. But I do believe that when God says he's a man after my own heart, it's because he's felt the heart of God, and God knows that David has felt it and is clinging to it and believes that God is real in the middle of all these things, and that David sings the song of it, a song that the Spirit put in his heart, but that he got to write the lyrics the way he wanted to, he got to play his lyre the way he wanted to, got to lead the band the way he wanted to, to make it come alive for him and his life in his generation. This word is alive and powerful. It has many qualities, like being sharp like a two-edged sword. It'll cut any way you swing it. But it's also the heart of the living God. I love the way David reminds us of the heart of God, like Mm -hmm. you were saying. This is the heart of God. His word, his love for us, his story that includes us. Mm -hmm. It's not just a story about God. It's a story that encompasses the essence of God that we are part of because we're created in his image. And when David says, these are the things that I see about God, these are the things I'm going to declare about God, we can know those things to be true for our own lives as well. We can use David's words to worship. Yes, We can say those words as a prayer, like we've talked about many times before on Confession Radio. And I've encouraged others as well. It's like, you don't know how to pray? Go to the Psalms. David is going to give you, or the psalm writers are going to give you some great guidelines or some great prayers to pray, even just word for word, that David took the time, that these psalmists take this time, or that we are given the privilege of reading into the past like this and seeing their hearts and how they pour out to God honesty and truth and vulnerability is so encouraging to me. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee, says David, in another psalm. And because of that, it reminds me the word is like a favorite song. Mm-hmm. If someone else sang a couple notes of your favorite song, you'd be on that tune in a flash. And it takes you somewhere. Exactly. And you sing that song and remember that earworm will stick with you the rest yes. of the day. The word of God is meant to be your favorite song. And that's what we have for you today on Compassion Radio's Chasing the Word. We'll be back for a sum up on chapter 19 of Psalms on next Monday's program. We'll see you again tomorrow for the next Compassion Radio.
thank you, friends, for standing with Compassion Radio during these times of great change to our normal life. Of course, there's nothing normal about our situation, but there's also nothing normal about the kind of faith and power we find in Jesus. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Or make your gift through our website, CompassionRadio.com. We need you, friend, so contact us today.